0: Hi, welcome to this week's episode of Money with Alpha and I have the lovely Emma Lovely Lovell on the show. Welcome, Emma. Thank you so much. Yes, you got the puns, so well done. <laughs> <laughs> well, I saw it because yeah, we we actually only met last week at a Business Chicks online networking um, event and and to be honest, I really can I've, I've been to, you know, obviously over the last few years, I've been to a number of online networking things, but you just did it so well. <laughs> thank you 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 kind of you brought pulled everybody in you made sure things flowed and I don't know it was just done in a really really good way and I thought oh I need to I need to find out more about this person and (laughs) uh and I can't believe I wasn't already following you but um and there's a couple of uh sort of mutual connections there like jades I've met through another program and it all sort of started to come together and I was part of business chicks many years ago and did their leadership immersion program and I just Mm -hmm. I wanted to get back into that world again so before we go too much down a tangent now uh, introduce everyone to you Emma what's what where did you come from how do you do what you do and you have such a beautiful energy which you can't see on a podcast but um that will come through with your words so tell oh, us about thank
1: you. you yeah love an intro and i love challenging myself to say it differently so i am Emma Lovell and i am a writer speaker coach i I'm a traveller at heart and I have managed to combine my love of business and travel uh, and incorporate it so that I've always been able to continue travelling extensively around the world for the past 18 years. So since I was 18 and left school I didn't really stop uh, and all, I've run my business for 14 years throughout that time and so in the past, um, only the past four or five months, I've actually kind of realized those are my superpowers. (laughs) You take for granted those. And so now incorporating that and helping entrepreneurs and people who are at a crossroads or people who are working jobs and just want to include more travel and start living the life they love now. I'm just such a like, no, we're not waiting for retirement. We're not waiting for one day, someday. We don't Actually, we don't always get that. So we need to be creating the life that, that we love and the, what, what that looks like is different to you and I, Alpha. Mm-hmm. Um, but getting clear on what that looks like and and fostering it and starting it it now. And so yeah, I I deliver my work through coaching, speaking, writing. Uh, but I'm, you know, my focus is is helping people to live that life that they love. Yeah.
0: Which is which is beautiful because we all, like you said, we all do it in in different ways. And yeah, the travel bug bit me very young as well. And I love traveling. And yes. And I one of the things I always do with clients is make sure you have a fun fund. And I was like, and then you just you have to use it. And <laughs> I call it fun. Mine actually was always called travel and photography. Yes. Um so, but for fun is obviously different for for everyone. But yeah, it's definitely we, we're young, we live now, we don't know what's coming. So you may as well just enjoy life with you know within the boundaries of the things that you still want to be able to have the money to do. Um, when you have a business, you know, the point is to create freedom
1: and flexibility and I used and yeah. um, when I started my business, I would probably identify as a freelancer. Yeah. And there were days, I'm, you know, right now I'm recording, so i closed the blinds and things. And I'm just like, why am I sitting inside in my office? And I go out to the balcony and I was like, where's the free and freelancer? Like where's the freedom that I signed up for? Yeah. And then in the next split second, it's like, actually, I'm completely in control of that. Um, you know, yeah. You know, it doesn't mean that there's not times where you need to work a little more. I mean, I was up till 1 30 last night working on a sales page. That's because I'm, I'm a night out and I watched two hours of something else crap to get into the zone before I did. um But that was my choice, you know? And that's the, that's that's the, the definition eight. of
0: freedom. Yeah. You can do
1: so, that. Yeah. You know, that's not for everyone. They go, Oh my God, you should work till 1 30. It's like, well, I kind of went for a swim in the afternoon and like hung out with my son in the middle of the day and I don't know, talked on the phone for two hours to a friend. like. So yeah, then I worked at one thirty. Okay.
0: Yeah, yeah, and that's it. You just work when you want to, how you want to, and and it's also nice to be able to work when you're inspired. I yes. tend to get more inspiration at night time as well. During the day is somehow feels more mechanical task kind of driven. And well, when, I, you know, your time gets taken today. You know, oh, I've got a meeting.
1: I've got this other meeting. So it's quite hard to yes get into the flow zone and the flow state when your times are limited by other people's times or by, you know, child pickup or yeah. I don't know. I just think we also just so default to that nine to five, even though I've never, I've worked for myself. I've started my business in university. So it's yeah. like, but it's such a like uh, weird. And then it's weird because then I love going to India say and like their times completely, like they work till eight o'clock at night. They have seemed to have different hours of work. Yeah. I think in this Western world, we are so conditioned to this nine to five that
0: even when you're not in it, it permeates to everyone. It's because that's things are open between certain times. And I mean, the internet has improved that a little bit, but there are certain things that you have to physically go to. And yes, it's only open from this time or this time. Or if you have a problem, they are only open from this time and this time to talk to. And, yeah, we are, yeah, and it always amazes me every time I drive my daughter to school. I'm like we're all on the road at the same time going to the same sort of places. And I was just like, why can't we stagger things a bit more? Yeah. just gets a bit nuts. So one of the things you mentioned which I I read about and I wanted to ask you more about, so what made you start a business in uni and what were you studying? Because you weren't necessarily on a trajectory to start a business if you were at uni. Well, yeah, I mean, I I was kind of.
1: I've kind of like done the most my degree you could actually do because I studied a bachelor of business wow. so my degree okay. was business but I mean within business you learn you know finance, economics, um, accounting, marketing and then you pick your major in the second year so my major was marketing mm-hmm. um, and marketing MPR. so I went to the communications um, faculty as well mm-hmm. and I just sort of I don't know, I think it was once I was in the communications faculty and I thought I could start my own PR company because, you know, Delulu, that's the word of the moment, just a little slightly naive and delusional, but also not just just um, kind of fearless. And at the time I was um, from like 18, 19, I started doing promotions work. And so I had an ABN um and you basically acted as your own agent you basically were a freelancer so you went to you were part of an agency and they'd say hey we have this job handing out stuff Mm. at the V, you know v energy drinks at a festival or flyers at the bus stop or you know going to the Coles event and I don't know handing out samples and so you would apply like apply or say yes I'm available and then you had to manage your calendar manage your you know talk rates all that sort of stuff so I think I guess I was already Freelancing in a sense, my so having an ABN and all that wasn't a big deal. Yeah. And if anything, I thought by third year I was a bit behind having not started my business. Um, but the thing that actually instigated it is, um, I meant to do a podcast episode, I don't know if I did, but um, I actually broke my back snowboarding. Oh, so um, I couldn't work and I had to cut back on study. And I was like, oh, I guess I have time to start a business. (laughs) So I, (laughs) I bought the um, Bought the the name Lovely Communications. I decided so play on my name and um, yeah started the business. And then I just told people I have a business. And once I started working again, I actually was doing some work for the organization my dad was the CEO of. I was doing marketing role that I kind of that had been created as I I gained more skills. Mm. And I said, can I just invoice you instead of um, you putting me on a payroll? And then yeah. I had my first client.
0: Yeah. So, that's pretty I don't ha- managing through the I'm just gonna go back to the the breaking your back thing, like managing the mindset side of that to then actually get to the point where you're like, oh I'll just you know, do a business. Is that that just I don't think that's just youthful naivety that there's a certain kind of drive in that as well. Oh, I just had time
1: and headspace. Like I just I was so on the go. And to be honest, I was probably heading towards in the following year, I pretty much did. Like I was so young, but I pretty much had a mental breakdown in a way, like I I think that was the universe telling me to stop. Um, mm-hmm. So it was really nice actually having like an excuse to stop. And it's, it's a horrible thing, but there's still times now where I think, well, if I just like hurt, like, like when I broke my back or like when I had my son and I had like major abdominal surgery, yeah. um, that's when I got a rest. And it's like, whoa, that's, that's burnout talk. Like if you're thinking I need to physically get very injured in order to have a rest. Yeah. But that's where I was, you know, that's where I was at. And it was like, otherwise I was working, I was studying for subjects, you know. So it forced me to slow down. And then that's when I had the headspace and the create, like, oh, that's when I could actually think about starting a business. I did better in my subjects that semester as well, because I could actually focus. But then, as I said, then I started the business, finished uni, kept doing the freelance sort of promotions work, bringing in clients. And I was, yeah, driving to a job one day, like a year later, and I just basically had a kind of a panic attack and then had to stop work for four, four six weeks. I couldn't cope. Mm-hmm. So it's like, yeah, I, and I would choose the broken back over the mental break mm-hmm. each So, yeah, like I know it sounds weird, but, yeah, that, that forcing when we get sick or injured as much as it's a frustration and a detriment, it's the reminder that we need to rest. And now yeah. a big part of my message is rest and receive. Yeah. Um, I called my retreats that because I just think we don't give ourselves this time and space away from the day-to-day, away from the do, 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 do yeah. in order to think. And if if it takes me remembering that broken back and looking at it as a fun time, mm. <laughs> I mean, I was probably on a lot of painkillers, maybe that. <laughs> well, I was a fun time because it was I had a rest for the first time in years and I, I focused on my body and then the recovery as well I was like that hour of Pilates that hour of physio that's my time and that is for me and that continued so right. I've continued that over the years that it's like that's you know with a walk I'll be on my phone or in the gym you can still do stuff but Pilates where I'm being in a class and being instructed a swim can't touch anything those are the things are like I'm forced to have to focus and, and go inward yeah
0: yeah I, I always like that I even I, I like what I learned to ride a bike when I was in my 30s and um, when I, I go for rides now I actually put my phone like I, I have this little thing I could put it on the handlebars and I like putting it there so I actually just put it in the bag more for emergencies than anything else but I was just like nope, no music no phone I'm your hands, just, yeah, you have to focus. Just, yeah, Mike, I can't do anything with my hands. My my mind sort of wanders around. I was on a bike ride this morning, and we've had a lot of rain here in Brisbane. And I was just like, oh, everything's so green again, and I'm just like, oh, I'm noticing nature, whereas otherwise it's like, go, go, go. Yeah. Um, but yes, having, having, there's some pretty dramatic reminders that you've had an experience, which you've then incorporated into your business as well.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So, yeah. and then, so how did, how did the, when you, you started your business journey and as you continued along that path, it's a, it's a bit of a different thing because, you know, you don't have superannuation or somebody paying it for you. You don't necessarily have this steady income and, and you've, you've bought property and that. How did all of that kind of come together as a business owner? Yeah. So it was a lot of feast or famine you know, sort of mentality
1: and that's something that I've really worked on in the last few years and continue to work on. It's like how do I have this to something that is the stability mm-hmm. and then still for my nature and my entrepreneur spirit, um, a bit of the rebel, like how do I still have that excitement and adrenaline of, of the thrill of the chase, you know. And I've been, you know, I think it's that thing where you, when push comes to shove, you're like, uh, "Like this is down to me. It's not no one else is going to pay this paycheck. No one else is going to pay this rent. Mm. Um, I need to find work. And so I've always kept that, like I said, the, the promotion work was fantastic, like having that ability, subcontracting. So I've always had people that I could go to and go, hey, can I take on a contract or clients that I know just go, hey, have you got a little something else? So I've always had those relationships and that networking, which you experienced, Mm -hmm. um, how, how valuable that is that when times are a little tougher, you can go to your network and go, hey, I need some work. Um, and I've always been willing to work, but yeah, I was, um, 2000 and, um, 14. I mean, I wanted to, again, I felt I was so behind. My parents told me when I was like 14, they bought an investment property. And they were like, if we knew then, like if we knew when we were your age, what we know now, my goodness. And so that seed was planted then. And I thought when I was like 19 or 20, I'm like, what an idiot. haven't bought a property yet. Just very unrealistic with time zones. And I think you're hearing a little bit of high achiever. But I had this goal for a long time and then it kind of the years crept by and obviously I do the travels and feast or famineing. And then I went, I kind of just went before I'm 30, I want to do it. And was very good at the time. I was doing a contract with World Vision. So I did have a full-time contract and I went on to a, so sort of that, I guess, stability of having, it was like, oh, wow, I have this big chunk of income while still running my business. Mm -hmm. I'd also just as, you know, a side fun thing, started a pet sitting business. So I was also running a pet sitting business at the time. (laughs) So the year that I got like really, I actually decided to move back in with my dad um, I moved back from Melbourne. I was living in Melbourne. I moved from Melbourne to Sydney to save. I know that sounds very weird, but I moved in with my dad with the agreement that I would pay some board and I was going to buy a property. Yeah. Um, but then I got the pet sitting thing, so I was barely home anyway. I was literally getting paid to live in other people's houses. I had no costs whatsoever, and so I managed to save forty two thousand dollars in um, space of six months because I was. Fo- I was like, this has to happen. Mm-hmm. Thirty. Focus. So it kind of became. But, you know, I attribute it to having it's very hard as a solopreneur, a sole trader to buy a property. So I'm very thankful for having that contract at the time mm. because that kind of got it over the line. Um, as well as talking, having early conversations with the mortgage broker and the real estate agent about like what, what's the bottom line? Because like you're like, I'm buying a $300,000 house. Like, but do I need $300,000? Like, no, you don't. You need potentially 30. Yeah, uh, Better to have 60. Um, you know, and I actually ended up buying in an area where I got some grants so that helped as well. Yeah. But, uh, and the timing, I thought I wasn't going to make it. And then they went, actually, the grants, they've just introduced a new grant. And so, um, like a local infrastructure grant. So, it actually mm. was in my favour yeah. to not be ready in the, that financial year. And then it was like, okay, I need this amount of money over the line. We found the properties, like the development area that we wanted to get it and um, just went for it. So... And it's funny, as soon as I got the house, like somebody said to me, well, now you've got the house, you can't travel anymore. And I was actually like, no, I bought the house so that I can travel more. Yeah. I bought the house so that I have something stable that I know that I can always lean back on. And the funny thing is that that's 2016 that I sorry, ended up getting it. 2015, I had the contract. 2016, I continued working with them. Um it's been seven years now. and just I think the thing that in my head that really blocked me this year from a money mindset perspective was that you're told when you buy a house it's a long-term investment. Mm. I mean, but the thing is seven years went by. And so this year we started to have the conversation about whether I would sell it or not. Mm. As we're moving towards our future goal now of a bigger home for our family, we mm. actually own two properties. So my husband bought the house that we live in. Yeah. I bought the other one. It was very important to me. We were together. It yeah. was very important for me to buy that myself and then I said to him by all means you can have that too we're married now it's all together but we own two properties um and the the view is to buy our future home but so now we've started it's like well I have no attachment to that anymore Mm. and it's done its job and the market's good or the market's done better than we thought yeah and actually seven times seven years is a long
0: term yeah yeah. yeah, well, so, the cycles run about seven years anyway, like in most investing cycles. So, yeah. So
1: I'm in a very fortunate position. I'm very happy to talk about it quite openly because this selling this house will give me a lot of freedom in 2024 to really focus on this direction that I've shifted to this year. Like I have mm. been running a business for 14 years. It will mm. be so nice to have some solid cash flow. And you mentioned super, and I'll be honest as well, like I, I did not pay myself super. I've had super contributed by some of my clients or some of the contracts. Hmm. But um, push came to shove. I mean, I put, I invested in, a, I chose to invest in a house. And Which, so now we looking at that, yeah. how do we recontribute and how do we now structure that moving forward with yeah. that investment money? Like how do I now use that? And this is conversations with financial advisor, accountant, mortgage broker, real estate agent.
0: Yeah. Well, the whole purpose, the reason superannuation came into being was because a lot of people hadn't saved um, but if you've got a property, then that's sort of helping circumvent that. Anyway, yeah, it's the force saving. Well, because my dad and I, when I was 26, he was very much in the like investment in property, invest in property. And I had watched my parents as a as a youngster just like struggle to pay mortgages. And I was like, no, I don't really want that. But my dad ended up buying this property on my behalf <laughs> and was going to sign it over. And then I would like take it on. I'm like, no, no, I don't want it. He ended up keeping it, and then we clashed on this constantly until it came to the realization that he needed that for saving. To he wouldn't have saved otherwise, because I was like, yeah. "I'm fine at saving. Like I don't, yeah, need, yeah. I don't need the like the pressure of a mortgage." But it's everyone is different, and how you get like get to and the realization. I, I also, I'm yeah. debt driven, you know, like. Yeah. Um, you know, people go, "Why do you
1: waste money?" Like I've I've read Barefoot Investor and things, and he's like, instead of paying for these high premiums for healthcare, mm-hmm. um, you could just save that money, and then if you needed to get a crown, there's five a crown. And I'm like, mate, I just wouldn't do it. So yeah. you know, the same with travel insurance. Like if I had something happen, I'm like, I need that forced insurance, and for me having a property, having something concrete, literally, having a a structured payment plan that they've put in place. Um, You know, my car is on a mortgage as well through the business. I love it. It's it's a different to finance and that's a benefit of being a business owner, but I like it because it's, I know what the payments are. I know it's over a long-term. I'm comfortable with it. I I really struggle with then creating my own payment plan. So if there was credit card debt and things like that, I really struggle creating that. Whereas when... They've told, if they told me, you know, an ATO payment plan, love it. you yeah. want me to pay you that. Like for a person like my, me, that works well. Someone else is like, oh my God, how did you not pay that upfront? How did you not have the money? It's like, we're different.
0: Yeah. And it's the same thing as saying, oh, now you bought a house, you can't travel. It's like there's there's stories that we tell ourselves. And, and this is this is one of the things that probably annoys me the most in the finance industry is that there's you do this, you do this, you do this. I was like, well, you could do that. or well, you could do something else. And as long as you are focused or you have like we were talking about focus before you record, you have an idea of what you're going doing and where you're going, it how you get there, obviously you don't want to, you know lose too much money along the way but you know how you get there is generally up to you Um mm-hmm. and because we're not really taught the principles behind it it's very difficult for people to to learn how they personally work and that's trial and error error over years and well, sometimes you and i had parents who invested like or, or knew
1: about property or wanted property and it's like even a friend i was kind of educating in the past year or so because she had this thing of when i pay the mortgage off then we'll do this and i'm like mm. yeah. I don't know if you need to pay your mortgage off. Like I'm not a financial advisor, but I'm like some mm-hmm. would say I would take the money from the equity and invest in something else or use that to work for it. Like yeah. what, what, what is that? All that money then just sits in this thing that is only valuable when you sell it. Yeah. And that's and if you're it, if you I have at the moment. Then. I have a lot of money, but it's locked. It's locked in yeah. yeah. bricks and mortar. And I need that right now. It's like we need that money to work for us. Yeah. Um, and we still have, we're, we're in a fortunate position, made good decisions and we still have, you know, one property. So yeah. we don't need to. And I was holding on to that attachment of being, I like being an investor. I like saying I have two properties, but it's like, well, if you want to have your dream home, which I keep looking to the right because um, I know it's a podcast, but I have a on my vision board, you know, yeah. the property that we want and where we want to live. Yeah. Why do I have an attachment to being an investor and owning two properties when we want
0: the house that we want to love living in Mm. and that's also where seasons of life come in too we have different priorities at different points in in our lives and what we want and yeah and the travel I obviously I did a lot more traveling before I had my daughter than now but we still do trips and traveling around and she's seen probably more of the world than I did at that age (laughs) so I was like well here you know We, we went over to Italy and Germany this year as well and she's been you know to yeah. Anyway, but it's still whatever, wherever you're at, at the point of time that you're at, and how you get there. Um, yeah. But having a like, for instance, when you were saving for the house, and you had that that motivation, so there was a, there was an intense focus, and you had a goal. One of the things I find difficult for a lot of people when it comes to saving is they don't necessarily have something that they're that connected to. Mm. Why debt becomes really a lot easier to to kind of because somebody else is motivating you and you know you're like you're gonna lose this if you don't pay it. Um it's a lot easier than if you if you have a defined purpose. Like we my my old car was really old and I knew it was gonna die at some point. And I thought well, I need to save for a new one because I don't wanna, you know, I wanna just buy the car because I, you know, accountant brain. Like Turn off the depreciation concept. And so, but that's that worked for me. And then we just bought a sort of a, a Toyota Corolla. You know, it wasn't anything fancy, but it suits our needs. Yeah. So and do your I own thing and challenge say,
1: the beliefs. You know, like I talked about earning 42,000, you know, saving 42,000, so that's a buff. and You know, even in that time, I did an overseas trip. Like, you know, I remember that year, my you know, my in-laws said to us, we were going on a trip overseas. And they're like, so you said you wanted to buy a house, but you're going travelling. And I was like, yeah, that money's there. And then that money's there. Like, yeah, that's, can do that both. Yeah, it's not, yeah. and, you know, there's a lot of this talk about now rent vesting and stuff like that. And so like yeah. buying the place where you can afford and then, oh, sorry. Yeah. Invest, you know, investing and then renting where you want to live. Yeah. You know, there's just, it doesn't have to be, or no. I think there can be, and, and yep. like you said, what works for you. And, and after having, we said we weren't going to bring it up, but, you know, these few years where we were limited and we couldn't travel, but also I've got a lot of stuff happening in my family. Someone said to me the other day, what's going to be your word for next year? And I had, hadn't thought about it and I just came out and I said travel.
0: Mm. And
1: that uh, part of that selling that house is going and, and fully being free and comfortable to go a percentage of that house, is going to the whole trip and we are going to go on that trip and I'm going to know that that investment I made covered for this entire trip and we get to just enjoy it. And I'm not going to be checking the balance. I'm not going to be checking the cards. It's just going to be, I'm going to pay it. Yeah. Enjoy it because I made a smart decision and I yeah. should enjoy the money. Whereas yeah. when I first started selling it, I had this fear of wasting it. I'm yeah. going to waste it. I've got to, what do I put it into? What do I invest next? Oh, I need to buy the next house so that I don't frivol it away. And it's like, but travel is really important to me, as we can clearly hear. That's yeah. not in it away. That's precious, precious time with my son and my husband. Yes, and they're experiencing that. And yeah. that forty-two thousand over six, seven months, I can now. I'm in a position that I can make forty-two thousand dollars in a month. You know, because my earning capacity is higher. And, and I'm not saying that to be like flippant, but you know, gosh, ten years ago, Emma would be like, you. Yeah. Who is this person? Like <laughs> I, thought I was earning forty-two thousand in a year,
0: yeah,
1: still traveling the world, but that's just that's years of experience and capacity, and I take bigger risks because I have a I have a, a stable base. I have a husband who also earns money that I can take a bigger risk
0: and launch a retreat and make a lot of money off it. Yeah yeah no it's um it's the, it's the priorities and then this is also that that sort of the mentality that kind of came back in that you know you can't have your cake and eat it too or money doesn't grow on trees or so many of those and you're like well what's the point of having a cake if you can't eat it you're just gonna <laughs> stare at it like so it's yeah I love I love oh, the idea of challenging goals. those norms or those <laughs> previous norms yeah so,
1: and it's I- nice to talk openly about it because it wasn't a conversation and I'm very happy in it and that's been yeah. something that I've had to overcome and I on my recent retreat in India, I, I we talked, I, I played the song for everyone brave. And then I asked them all, listen to the lyrics. And what does the song mean to you?
0: Mm.
1: And for me, I said, bravery, it will be me choosing this, combining these two passions of mine and really doing what I want to do, yeah. um, in supporting people to do what I've been able to do and that i believe is possible yeah. Uh, but also like talking openly about income because I'm gonna to have to do that and I want to do that because I think there's this misconception that it's like when I have the money or it's all right for Emma she has all of this and I'm like if I showed you my tax returns from the past few years and the ability and the things that I've done mm. I don't think they match up yeah and it's- the way that I've done it and it's the way that I've prioritized it and the things that I choose to spend my money on and I'd say like
0: 40 60% of my budget is travel. Yeah. There's so it many comparisons work. and assumptions that people make and it's whatever is right for you and the priorities that you make and it's your your money after all. <laughs> and the, the the preconceived ideas as well of like oh you know we have to be doing this at a certain age we do this and if you have this you got to have that and, you know who cares at the end of the day, like as long as you're experiencing because you can't take any of your stuff with you anyway. And I'm looking at you actually and I'm thinking like
1: these earrings I'm wearing, they were gifted to me. The dress I'm wearing, it's my friend's. She didn't want it anymore. I'm wearing that. Uh, The ring I'm wearing was my grandmother's. Like Hmm. the necklace my husband, I actually, I don't think I'm wearing anything that was bought by me. Um, Even I would say, honestly, my bra was bought with Myers points, like four <laughs> points from my credit card So like whereas somebody else might have spent thousands of dollars on the things that I'm wearing yeah I don't spend any money yeah but I'm quite happy I'll see you at airfare for tomorrow for four thousand dollars to go four different destinations and I'll go sure here's my four grand and people go you're crazy who spends four thousand
0: dollars on flights and I'm like that's nothing that's that's that's, that's what it That's is. where your yeah where your values and your important yeah because we um when we went to to Germany this year my um we're we are a household that loves Lego <laughs> and so we went to Legoland uh which wasn't the cheapest place to go but it was like it's it was my daughter's birthday and oh my goodness and it was such a beautiful experience as well I was, I'm so glad we did it probably wouldn't do it again but we've done it now and it was so much fun and we didn't really even buy that much stuff when we were there. I think I bought like one set just to kind of have a sort of a, a reminder mm-hmm. when we were at home. But um, other than that, it's it's that experience of actually going and being together and having that togetherness as well, mm-hmm. and then the memories that go with that. So yes, it's, yeah. But there's so many different ways that we can do things. Yeah. Now I'm interested in your retreats. How do you? How did you get to do them? And what what do you do in them? And how do they operate?
1: Yeah, so I actually went on my first ever official retreat in um, 2020. I was seven months pregnant. Uh, the most of the world couldn't travel, but Queensland was quite open. And so I went from the Gold Coast to Mission Beach. And amazingly, it actually felt like Sri Lanka. Like it was just felt so far away. I kept checking the time zone and being like, oh, I can't call Matt now because the time zone's off. And it was like, oh, no, it's um, same time. It's Queensland. Yeah. And it was just such a gift. Um, it was a writing retreat and I said, I, I mean, if you ask me for my, my heart profession, it will be writing. Um, so I've always been good with words and in the next year I'll be writing a book, but I have been paid writer over the years and I love writing content and, and stories and I think anyone could read my stuff and see that it's um, there. But I loved the, the, I got so much more out of it and what I expected it to be and what it was. Um, was so different and I think that people think of retreats as did I as wellness retreats and yoga retreats and that's where our mind goes and I'm like yeah I'm not paying four grand to go over to Thailand and do yoga for 10 days like no thank you not for me yeah so or it was kind of like oh they're a luxury item yeah one day but this was much more affordable than I thought Mm -hmm. it was a no-brainer I took that time for myself and it was such a gift like right before you know having a child to have that time solo uh, and I met some amazing business women on it but then I was like, yeah, I could totally do this. And I have a background of uh, I've been doing charity challenges where you go and do treks overseas, raise money for charity. So I've been doing those since 2011. And then I actually started tour managing. So I would, because I had the experience of doing it, I would be the group leader. And so I've been to places like Everest Base Camp, Bhutan, um, cycling through Cambodia, cycling through Vietnam with 32 Dutch women, I mean, if I can handle 32 Dutch women on a cycling trip, I think I can handle five to ten people in a luxury retreat setting. <laughs> so, yeah, it was like the travel side of it's very um, conceptually fine for me. And then I just I partnered, my first one, I partnered with a retreat company. So to help me and I offer, uh, all of my retreats, I partner with a travel company. So they do the logistical side of it, even though I know, but they know rates better, they know... Um, yeah. packages better, so and then I'm buying a package of them, um, yeah. a perfect package. Mm-hmm. And so, my core thing was about people I've heard so many people run retreats and they run them at a loss or a break even. My idea, I don't do things to not make money, so my nice. first retreat was profitable, yeah, all my retreats have been profitable, and I believe that you can run profitable retreats, yeah, so um, yeah, I just just did it kind of thing. I ran one in um, Gold Coast 2022, Kangaroo Valley 2023. I've cancelled one twice this year, so it just uh, didn't work out. Um, again, the profitability and also the intention.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then I, ran, I just ran my first one in India. Um, so India's I- my heart country. I've been there 13 times.
0: I was watching that one because I saw Jade on there. I was like, oh my gosh. And I didn't quite get what it was at the time. So what um they're not just writing retreats anymore though, are they? There's no, they weren't that?
1: ever. So the the concept was um rest and receive. So I um my I partner, funnily enough, she actually came um on this retreat. I did a, a sales page course with this lady, and we offered to swap each other coaching. So I did some personal brand coaching, she did some leadership coaching. And I turned up to the call and I was so like overwhelmed. And she said, I think you just need to have a rest. And I was like, that message from all those years ago. And she's like, there's this thing called relax and receive. Like, I think you just need to go to bed. And I actually listened. I changed it to rest and receive. So I was like, I went to bed, I had a rest, I woke up, and there were three opportunities in my inbox. Mm. It was like, the universe is like, just chill out. I got you, you know? And I think it's. We're so afraid that if we're not doing, we're not taking action, we're not always driving, that then things stop. Yeah. When I've realized, like, especially over the last few years, like the momentum and the energy I've put in over these years, it will keep going and that it's okay for me to take some time out. Um, and sometimes that that stop, not even stop, that pause or reset or slow down, yeah. allows you to refocus on what focus on what you really want. And so Rest and Receive was about people taking the time out of their day-to-day to to come to focus on themselves, Mm. focus on who they are and reconnect to who they are. And on my first retreat, a woman flew from Perth to Gold Coast. It was the first time. She's travelled a lot, but it was the first time she'd left her children and they were four and two. And I just am so honoured that she chose to do that. And then six months later she gave me a call because she had been invited to a conference on the Gold Coast And she's like, me coming on that retreat opened the door to seeing that it was okay, me choosing to invest in myself. And then, I don't know, it's like the client had almost connected the dots, got, hey, we've got to, you know, do you want to come to this conference? And so paid for her to come over Mm. and it reopened that door for her. And I was like, that's the receiving. You chose to rest. You chose to invest. Now you get to receive opportunity. Yeah, well, that's amazing. So where's your next uh, retreat? Well, I don't know when this is coming out, but I'm literally announcing it in the next two days and it's why I was up till 1.30 a.m. But uh, the next one is in Sri Lanka, November 2024.
0: Oh, That's exciting. Oh, yeah. Well, this will come out... It'll still be in December of 2023. So there you go. So, yeah, um, yeah I invite you all, uh, 12 spots
1: max. Uh, Jade will be coming along again to capture content. Mm-hmm. And uh, by then we'll have announced, so I may as well say it here too, uh, just a few days later if people want to do a double whammy or they're, they're not so keen on Sri Lanka but they want to do what we did and saw how amazing Kerala, India was, yeah. Jade and I are going to run a content creation retreat in Kerala, India. So we had so much fun taking photos and videos, and you should have seen her. She woke up in the morning and she was like a little puppy at the window, little little kid on Christmas Day. She was so excited and invigorated, and um, you know, and I said that to her. Like, I think you're going to have so much fun as a photographer and as a sort of anthropologist. Mm -hmm. uh, It's such a feast for the senses and um, so many ideas. And so then you know, but just such a playground in terms of content creation. I mean, the doors in the hotel alone, we were making so many reels. So that's what we thought we could teach people. We'll have a planning workshop in the morning. So hers is, that's more of a sort of, you can see that business connection doing it. My retreats are more of a, they're targeted at business owners. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I have someone who's working in full-time employment. I have people who come in like a crossroads in their life. People who are running side businesses who want to, I don't know, but, just people who want to kind of do something for themselves, really. Yeah. yeah very- challenge
0: challenge the status quo. I think that's a, there's like a common theme throughout <laughs> all of this as well as and do it yeah, authentically. I it's an
1: anti- antithesis. And I, I think for me it's like removing people from their day to day. And I will continue to run Australian ones. Um I haven't fixed on the dates, like it sort of looks like um Probably two Australian ones. I'm also running a mini retreat, so mm-hmm. that's in January on the Gold Coast mm-hmm. to teach people how to run retreats. Because I was setting up a course mm-hmm. and doing it online, and then I went, wait a minute, like you need to be in a beautiful location to plan a retreat. So I'm hosting it at the Langham Gold Coast. I'm like, oh no, nice. you should be sitting in a fabulous place, yeah. dreaming up. That's how I dreamed up India. I was on a houseboat. I was in that hotel. I was like, this, this is this is the thing. Yeah,
0: yeah. Four and a half years later, I was back there. Yeah, tap into it and just let it flow. I love it. So um, we'll put the, in the show notes, we'll put the link so people can find out about you, find out about retreats that you have and... Just figure out how they can get more in touch with themselves and with your help and guidance as well. So I think that's really, really beautiful. Um, mm-hmm. Thank you so much for your time today. It's been it's been lovely. I just it's so refreshing as well because there's there's so much that we do without really being overly present or conscious, and doing that in a way that is not just authentic but is helping us tap back into the person that we perhaps once were and we've sort of lost along the way. Yeah. And, and I mean, if you tie it afresh. back to the money thing as well, like, you know,
1: it, it can flow so much more easily than when you're pushing it yes. and doing the things that you think you need to do in order to make an income or doing work in the way that you think you need to work, because that's, like you said, the status quo, it's the way it's done. Yeah. I just think there's so many ways. And, and the what I've seen time and time again in my own life and with my clients is that when you are true to you and you follow your path like people can see the excitement they can see they can feel the energy they can they're going to pick up on that vibration and they want to piece that so you're going to be far more successful when you actually decide to do what you want first not what the market wants yeah yeah absolutely ah
0: wonderful thank you so much (laughs) and yeah I look forward to learning more and I'd love to come on a retreat too so I'm, going to I'm have catching to up way. we're down the road Yay. yes absolutely all right well thank you everyone for listening as well and yeah enjoy the rest of your day and week